Welcome to VS Voices. I'm Amanda Decadene. In this episode of VS Voices, I talk to Haley Bieber, who is on a journey to live authentically with kindness and love. We talk about growing up Christian and how she has redefined her own understanding of God, why she's an advocate for couples counseling, and life as a touring wife. Hello, hello. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Oh my God. I feel like, oh, you're, you're wearing a Justin Bieber shirt. I feel like I should be wearing the Strokes t-shirt, which is my husband's tour that just started. Oh, fun. Do you go in and out of the tour? I do. Yeah. Get any advice you have for being a, for that tour wife life? <laughs> I've never done it before. Yeah, I can totally, I'm 20 years of touring now, so I can, I can share my tips. I just want to start by saying that I really don't like to talk to women about their partners. I find it somewhat insulting that. Wow. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know it's really difficult. I just want to kind of preface this by saying that I, I didn't know a huge deal about you as an individual. And I wanted to learn as much as I could about you. Um, and it was hard to sift through the amount of stuff that was also intertwined in your relationship. And it really struck me that like, I want to talk to you about you as much as we can. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So um, when's the last time you had a day off? You know, it's random because like I do really prioritize time off. For example, like I was on a phone call today with like my agent and they were like, well, you know, I had booked out this like retreat thing that was like personally for me, like a spiritual thing that I committed to doing. And um, they were like, well, like this really important thing came up and we were just wondering if you would be willing to like, you know, skip the thing that you said you wanted to do weeks and weeks and weeks ago. And I'm just like, as I get older, I'm a big believer in like sometimes our no's are more powerful than our yeses. Definitely. I always try to make sure that it's like family first. And when I say family, like right now, family is me and my husband and the dog. So I try to like always put that in the top spot before work, before friends, even before anything else. I'm the type of person where I love to work and I'll just go, 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 go. And what's been interesting even about the time that has been spent in the pandemic is that everything got a lot more quiet. So even getting back into work now that things are, you know, slowly but surely getting into a more like normal place and things are picking up again, I'm just like, whoa, I'm so not used to doing this anymore. Like I'm not used to the like, go, 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 go. And I think knowing that has helped me be very choosy about like, okay, I'm going to work these two days, but then I'm going to take these two days off or I'm going to go away for the weekend. Like if I was working all week, I would make sure that Friday through Sunday, we go and we spend the night somewhere, do something or you know, I just have a day at home. I, I honestly like a day off just at home. The best. Chilling. The best. Sweats. Like that means everything to me. <laughs> Do you have days where you want to get up and just not have to be on and do hair and makeup? Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like sometimes I do. I know like if you were to go on the internet, right, and be like, I'm going to look up Haley, you would see very like glamorous, you know, glam photos and lots of hair and makeup and stuff. But on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm like, 
really like no makeup and chill hair and but I know if I go out then there's gonna like people are gonna take my photo and like sometimes I I can feel like there's like this weird pressure on me to like you know look like put together in some way but I've also like really been trying to like work against that because I just I don't want to have to feel like I need to be on all the time when it comes to like clothes I wear and stuff I actually really enjoy fashion so like I like putting like a fun outfit together like I like getting dressed for the day that's something I've always enjoyed doing but if I ever feel like it's causing me stress like I feel stressed out about how I'm gonna look because it's just this overwhelming thing then I try to just not let it take up that much space if that makes sense yes it makes complete sense and it is a conscious choice that one Mm -hmm. makes right but it's also mm-hmm. really hard to hold on to those personal boundaries that we set often. There's obviously so many blessings with the, that come with your life, but it's also weird and intense to be such a visible person. And, mm-hmm. you know, people don't talk about that often because they don't want to seem like they're complaining about it. For me, I was a pu- very public person in the UK at a young age, and it was really hard for me to differentiate between what was me and what was projected onto me when you're just developing your Mm -hmm. identity that I don't think people talk about the challenges of being a very visible person because Mm -hmm. no one can prepare you for this level of scrutiny, right? No, (laughs) (laughs) definitely not. Um, I think about it a lot because something that tends to happen all the time if you're in the public eye is like people kind of invent who they think that you are because I think it's sometimes it's really hard to really show people who you are because obviously you know who I am behind closed doors with my family or my friends is me and I try to be as authentic as possible but if I'm out and there's people taking photos and yelling and it's like really really hectic like I honestly get very like closed off. It's really, I just feel like it's really hard to like show people a hundred percent who you are all the time. Like it's an impossible task. And so people put their perception of like, well, I think she's this. And then you are trying so hard to like fight against that not being true. Cause you're like, well, I know that's not true, but well, they're projecting onto you. People project. Yeah, they're just projecting onto you. And, and when you're getting it from such a big level and like a big amount of people, it's it's just hard. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's a weird thing. I feel like a lot of people don't have a lot of empathy for people who are in the public eye. And I'm not trying to sit here and be like a sob story because like, that's not the type of person I am. But I do think when people are like, well, she asked for this. And I'm like, well, that's actually not true because I didn't ask for grown men to follow me around with cameras and harass me and invade my space and ask me really invasive questions and like make me feel unsafe. I actually, I didn't ask for that. Nobody wants that. I talk about empathy a lot because I feel like it's something that we're so lacking and the empathy is only reserved for certain people. And ultimately we're all deserving of empathy, no matter what our job is in the world. Yeah. Empathy is something that's always been something important to me because I think we can all, you know, have moments where things frustrate us. I could sit here and and be like, oh, I I hate 
how mean people can be to me on the internet. Something that's actually helped me with that in a big way is trying to like flip the thought to being an empathetic thought. Like I don't know what that person's going through. I don't know why they're lashing out at me specifically. I have no idea who they are, but like trying to always like flip it into just understanding that we all hurt and we all have things that are that we go through and I don't know what someone may be going through. I don't know what their life is like. I think that's helped me like a lot to not feel so like hurt or upset by what people say about me. And also to remember that hurt people hurt people. Yeah, it's so true. Right. It's so true. I see little glimpses of people like being empathetic. It gives me these little slivers of hope, these little I slivers know. of hope that I'm like, oh, okay, so some people do see it and some people do get it. And I'm like... I know. I think it's, I I had um, a friend who she's got nothing to do with fame or entertainment or anything. And she got thrust into the public eye literally overnight. Mm. And one of the first things that I said to her was, uh, if you care about your mental health, I'm going to make one recommendation for you, which is probably the most important thing you can do for yourself for the next year or two at least. And that is do not read the comments. Do not yeah. read the comments. Do not read yeah. what people say about you. Do not go on social media because it will break your heart. And yeah. it will put you into a state of dysregulation and despair that will make it really hard for you to weather this public storm you're about to go through. Yeah. <laughs> That's great advice, to be honest, because I've had to really like almost like teach myself not to read what people say because it's like you know how they say like curiosity killed the cat oh yes <laughs> it's like the human curiosity in me sometimes is just like but i just want to see like it's almost like we're just looking for the one bad thing like you click on the comments everybody's like oh yeah you look so good you look i hate you and then you're like oh, i feel like i've just had to fight against that so much the comment thing is a big thing <laughs> it's a big thing because i'm such a people pleaser not everybody's gonna like me though and that's okay too like that's the work, isn't it? That's the work. That's to the work, not right? To be obsessed yeah. with the one person that doesn't like you. It is what it is. That's life, right? So I'm like really constantly having to work on reminding myself, and I talk about this with my therapist a lot. I talked about it with her for three years now, just kind of being okay with the fact that I'm not going to be able to please everybody and, and like to not even have the desire to do that. Well, removing the desire to please everybody, I don't know that that ever goes. But what yeah. I do know is self-esteemable acts build self-esteem. Yeah. And therefore, it's a self-esteemable act to not go looking for the one person in the room or the comment thread that does not like you. Over yeah. time, at least for me, the the desire to, you know, be liked and accepted and loved by everybody that that I do or do not know has diminished, but it's definitely still there. Yeah. I think that's probably just like the human experience. In a it lot is. Of like, it really is. So I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, you grew up in a, in a family where your father was visible and mm -hmm. you were raised a Christian. Could you just walk us through what some of the kind of key beliefs are? Yeah. I mean, both my parents are born again Christian. My mom, she, you know, began her journey with Christianity when I was young, like five or six. So she wasn't raised Christian. She was not Christian throughout like a lot of her adult life. And then like mid thirties, she 
had an experience and um, she found Jesus and she became Christian. And then my dad followed probably a year behind that. And then he had um, his experience. And then from then on out, you know, church every Sunday, Bible study, Bible school, uh, Christian homeschooling only, Christian school, school only, like very, very full blown. And um, I feel very grateful to my parents to have raised me that way because I do think feeling connected to something that is bigger than me and feeling this sense of community. Like I felt like church always gave me a sense of community and that that was something that I really loved about it. It really makes a difference to have that knowing that like the world does not evolve around me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So what does your religious practice look like now having you know, grown up in this and probably adopted things that work for you, for Haley today? Mm-hmm. Well, it's really interesting because I think as an adult, my relationship with God and with church and with Jesus is very different than my parents, um, which I think is actually like a really beautiful thing because everybody has a different relationship with God and mine looks very different than my mom's does. I was raised in it and they weren't. You know, they had gone through like a lot of shit in their life. So when they found Jesus and when they were going through their experience, it was a lot later in life when they had gone through a lot of stuff. And it's just a very different relationship. My mom was very different after that and just structured about reading the Bible. And I do think as I got older, like a teenager being raised in church, it got a little bit hard for me because I was bored and I didn't connect to it. I felt like I I always had my own relationship with God, but it was hard for me to like want to be in church and listen because I'm like, this doesn't land for me. And then I started going to a church um, in New York City when I was a teenager. My older sister was living there and she started going to this church. She's like, hey, there's like a lot of cool young people and the music is great. And I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. Like I just I wanted like my own sense of church and community that was very like separate and opposite to what my parents which is natural and doing. healthy by the way. Right, which Individuate. is very normal. Yes, and have yeah. your own your own experience and your own connection. What does that look like for exactly. you? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I was like a good kid. I didn't get into like trouble as a teenager. Because they were Christian, we had a lot more like rules about things. You know, we weren't allowed to watch Harry Potter or celebrate Halloween or you know, drinking would have been like a really big deal while like living under their roof. We weren't allowed to like date until we were a certain age. Like, How old were very... you when you started dating? I didn't really like start dating anybody. I was hanging out with boys and like probably like 16 or 17. I think the age in our house was like 16, but like a lot of rules around it. Like you can't go be like alone and anyone's house or car like but now that I'm 25 I'm like oh I kind of get it now like but I moved out when I was 17 so I was living with my older sister who was 21 at the time and she's older than me but she was kind of having all of like her first experiences too at 21 like just moved out just you know it was like starting to drink and um so her and I were going to this church together and you know we started building our own sense of community and friends. And it brought me back in a big way to finding like my relationship with 
church again and finding my relationship with with God. And I think something that, that happens if, if you're raised in church and you're not having like enough open dialogue, everything feels like you're doing something bad. Mm. And I think that's how I felt for many years. Like I would go out and I'd get drunk or something and then I'd feel like a lot of shame, shame. like a lot of shame. Yeah. There's a lot of shame attached to the church. And I think that that's something that like unless you have a community where you're like being open about that or you have a pastor that you can be like, hey, like this is how I feel and I'm just feeling a lot of shame about something because – I believe that a relationship with God is the opposite of feeling shame. I don't believe that God wants us to feel shameful and like everything is a bad thing. And, you know, just even like having sex before you're married, mm -hmm. that was a big thing for me as a teenager. Like yeah. I was like, oh my God, like straight up, I'm going to going hell. To hell. <laughs> like, that, like that kind of thing. It was so like intense for me. And I just had to undo a lot of that for a long time. And I'm still working through yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say. And like, I don't blame my parents for that. It's I don't have kids yet. I don't know how hard that is yet to try to like raise young adults believing in God and going to church and like wanting to be committed it's to it. It's really hard. It is really hard, but it sounds really healthy that part of that being raised in the church would would be to find your own definition of what God means and to create a relationship mm -hmm. that is authentic to who you are as a young adult, you know? Yeah. And I've had a very up and down experience with church specifically and church community and just people that were in my life that were in that capacity. It's been a weird ride. It's been a weird ride. I, I'm not going to lie, but I feel like now I, I, I know my core people that I listen to and trust and go to, and it's, it's a very small group. And, you know, we go to a church out here in LA that, you know, started out as like a very small once a week Bible study and it's on Wednesdays. Like I don't go to church on Sunday anymore. I'll watch it here at home because the reality is I think there's something that feels like very like this about mm -hmm. ha having to be in a physical building every Sunday because it's just like not the case. Church can be anywhere. You could be sitting in a park. Well, it's inside you, isn't it? it like that connection yeah. is inside you and it goes wherever you go. And therefore, at least my experience, I mean, I'm in recovery for over half my life now. So part of my mm -hmm. recovery is to have a conscious contact with a higher power. And so it's mm -hmm. a built-in part of my day-to-day -day recovery. And it is something that goes with me all over the world. And so when I yeah. check in at specific times and places with my community, and I'm going to keep it anonymous here, but mm -hmm. it is purely as a way to kind of honor and recognize that connection and that belief that I have. And so it goes everywhere yeah. with us, right? Whether it's on a yeah. Wednesday or a Sunday or we're in the park or the plane or wherever, walking yeah. the dog, wherever we are. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is, is exactly when I look back on the last, like, I don't know, the last few years, just from like being out on my own until now, God was always with me and I always felt that. It's hard for me to like talk about it sometimes because I just feel like my relationship with Jesus is like always still evolving. And I think sometimes you say Jesus and people are like, ooh, it's it's getting weird. Like <laughs> when I was a teenager and I'd have friends come over for a sleepover, we'd go in the kitchen and I'd be like, mom, can you make us mac and cheese? And then she'd be like, do you guys know the Lord? And I'd be like, 
Oh, oh no. I know my, my mom would do that God. too. Sometimes I would say, please don't bring up Jesus when people come over. Same. Please. I was like, mom, please. Like, we're just trying to have a sleepover. And like, she's like, but you never know if it's going to be someone's only opportunity. And I'm like, that's what my God mom would find say. them. God will find them. <laughs> I just would get so mortified. And I think that was something that I wouldn't want my mom to feel bad. Because she knows this of already. Of course. Just, it's just kids with their moms. It's it's just very yeah. normal. Specifically teenagers too. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I think that also was like a little like traumatizing for me. Because as I got older and I started like making my own friends that didn't have a relationship with God. And, and some of my friends to this day, a lot of my friends don't. I don't believe it's like my job to try to force what I believe on somebody. I I really am a big believer in like organic conversation and like let God move and and do what God's going to do. And and also like it's open to good conversation. Yeah, and I think having conversations that are you know, I'm actually putting out a book that is a a guide to having difficult conversations because mm. I think it's really important that we create oh, a space. I need that book. <laughs> <laughs> and there's immense value in being able to have open conversations and listen to people who may have different ideas to you and may have mm. no faith, some faith, different faith. Yeah. I'm I'm I totally agree with that. And I think sometimes like you can say something to someone in a moment that can like change their life. And I'm a I'm a big believer in that as well. I've seen it happen. I've I've had it happen between me and someone else, like other people before. So I, I totally agree with that. Because of what I do and because of my job, like I've shown a lot of skin. Like I do things that according to church world would be, you know, provocative. Mm-hmm. Or I've had a lot of people say a lot you know, about like, well, you know, it's very misleading or like it's bad representation and a conversation that I feel like needs to be opened wide up is like the shaming that comes from church environment towards women, towards women, like, well, you know, just a lot sensuality of different And sensuality because there's a big difference exactly. between overt sexuality and sensuality. And I think it's really important to show that women can exist within a spectrum, that it's not, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this, there is a common misbelief within the church that women are the mother Madonna whore complex. And Mm -hmm. that is simply not the case because we're so much more than I think you, because of your job, are in a unique position to actually shine a light on this subject matter because yeah. intention is everything, right? Our in- why are we doing yeah. something? That's yeah. everything. That And that's the conversations I've had a lot. And that, that changed the perspective for me. Because I think I felt, again, like I would post something or do something or I would do a job and it would be, you know, sexy. And like, you know, the thing is at the end of the day, like I'm also, I'm a grown woman and I um, really embrace my sexuality and I embrace feel I like to feel sexy because when I I, I think it's a powerful thing. I don't think it it it's also it a very part twisted. of you. Why would you deny exactly. a part of you? It's the same thing as saying I'm going to deny deny my empathy or my intellect. Right. Our sexuality right. is a is just as valid a part of us. Why would you deny any part of you? It just means you wouldn't be accepting yourself. 100%. And I think what you said about like what the in- 
intention is everything. Like, what is the intention behind it? I used to struggle, especially when I was a little bit younger, of the idea of like, well, how am I going to like post this photo in a bra or something and then like show up at church on like Sunday? I feel like everyone's going to be like talking about it or judging me. And that was something I really had to work through because I was so weirded out. Like, I used to hear things that people would say like in the church environment about like, oh, well, I just think it's like, um, what's the word? It's like, she's like bad representation, like almost like she's representation. She's a bad Christian. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you know, it's it's misleading or, you know, I I, I mean, I you know, it's dealt a with a re- situation recently. Did you? And I'm just like, what I don't need is I don't need like an old man like telling me or well, like I was gonna talking say about that. like how I should or shouldn't behave because – You know, I think I'm super open about what I believe in and I'm not afraid to talk about what I believe in, but I'm also not afraid to embrace my body. Everything I do, I'm comfortable with it. Mm. So that should be the end of it. You know what I mean? Like everything that I do is comfortable for me and I like it and I think mm. it's beautiful. And I feel like that's what matters, right? That is what matters. Although we live in a culture that tells us that other people's opinions of us, that our family, our partner, our our world, our media, our friends, that everyone else's opinion of us is more important than our own. You have to feel good about the choices you're making. When I go to bed at night, Mm -hmm. who am I without all of my outside stuff that creates the identity that I have? Mm -hmm. Do I feel good about how I'm walking through the day? And if the answer is yes, that's a successful day for me. Yeah, I agree. I walk in with my head held high because Mm. this is who I am. And I think that believing in God is about its acceptance. It's taken time for me to like feel safe in that and the people that I'm, you know, for the people around, like around me to feel safe and and for me to not feel judged and to not – because I think sometimes what we do too is like we – put judgment in our own mind like oh they must think that this is like crazy that well, I did we're this. projecting like, oh on other God. people then we're projecting <laughs> right exactly exactly it's like a whole cycle but it's something that I I really like I'm still working through it I think it's something I'll probably work through for a long time and the whole like church Christianity thing is is something that it's been a difficult journey for me and it still is sometimes and that is many people's experience Okay, I have just many things I want to talk to you about. Um, okay, so one of the um, images that I saw a long time ago was you comforting your husband. He was obviously really distressed and was crying. And I saw you comforting him and I thought, oh, this guy is really lucky to have this woman who is obviously being so nurturing and loving. And you could tell the energy going from you to him was really caretaking and supportive um, and just gentle. And I thought, mm, this is a this is a really sweet human being. Um, you could, I mean, it's weird that I can yeah. say that from just seeing an image, but that was my projection. And I wondered, yeah. do you feel like your marriage is represented authentically and um how do you how do you navigate when it's so misrepresented yes <laughs> i experienced that a lot i feel like it's so funny because like 
I'll see things where it's like, I'll like go to dinner with my friends and people will be like, they're getting divorced. And I'm like, like, what idea? Like, I, I like it's so confusing to me because I'm like, the it's just like kind of this constant thing where you have to keep like reminding yourself of like what's the reality and what's not. Mm. Because we're in a marriage and we're trying to exist. Be in a marriage. And <laughs> be in a marriage and we're very young and we're, you know, like we have so much fun together. And so when I see like the opposite of it, do we have times where we struggle? A hundred percent. I'd be a liar if I said that we didn't because every relationship has that, even non-romantic relationships. So when I see things like, you know, I'll go and travel somewhere. He goes and does something on his own. And then all of a sudden it's like they're not happy. And she left this restaurant and she looks like she's crying. And like it must be because of this. And there's been so many really, really, really hurtful narratives um, surrounding our relationship. And I have talked about it a bit. And I've expressed that it hurts me very deeply. You know, I've had so many times where I've just like cried and cried and cried because I just don't understand like – where this comes from and why people have to be so like obsessed with almost feeling like they want it to fail and like they want something to be wrong in my in my relationship that has zero to do with them. So it's been this I think you're right about that. It's something I still like struggle with. There's just been so many like lies and I think I struggle with that because I really enjoy being myself Mm. and I really enjoy who I am and I enjoy the person that I'm married to and I just I get so frustrated because I'm like that's not the type of people we are so I don't understand like where this is coming from and also in some way and just in speaking to you for this short time that we're speaking I can tell that you've done a lot of self-reflective work and that you are very much in the space of living authentically. I know for me, um, you know, also being a woman who has spent a lot of time in self-reflection and growing and learning and wanting to be the most that I can be in all areas of my life, that commenting on anything that is public only fuels fire. And so there's a piece of the of your life where you're actually quite silenced. I have felt that for myself. I want to say, this is crazy. You people are nuts. What is up with you? But to do that would only fuel it. And so I'm silenced in that way. And I have to take it to my partner or my therapist or my friends and and process it there. Absolutely. And by the way, I've done that before, especially when we were like first married. There was just like a lot going on. And obviously, we got married very fast. And there was just a lot of conversation around it. And I kept trying to like defend everything and I would like comment on things or I'd be like don't talk about my husband and And I just realized like looking back on it like a it makes everything worse um b I feel like my words like always get taken out of context because people are always trying to like spin what I said or well that's their job to do that there are people who that is their job yeah (laughs) right and like things actually also don't translate over the internet the way they would if you were having a face-to-face conversation or the way you and I are having Absolutely. a conversation. So it's actually helped me a lot to like just not say anything because I'm like the amount of things I want to correct are 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 many. Like I there is a lot of things that I feel like we're very unfairly portrayed and I think we're very uh 
just not true that I that I would have loved to speak on, correct. But at the end of the day, I was just like, you know what? It seems like a situation that needs to be worked out privately or I need to take it to my therapist or my friends or my husband and kind of just talk it out with him. And he's been like a really, really good support for me just dealing with all this stuff because he's actually dealt with it for a lot longer than I have in a much bigger scale for, I mean, he's, you know, he was been messy. He's been a messy person like we all have, but like he's really had to deal with that and really had to deal with everybody talking about his ups, his downs, his sidewayses, his middles, like every little aspect of his life. So he's really, really like helped me with that and like just constantly reminds me of like, okay, that is just not reality and that's not true. Like the reality is we're sitting here and, you know, I love you and, mm, you know, reassuring, our, our friends love guiding, you. And yeah. like, just guiding that because he's yeah. just really, Let's stay in the reality and the truth. <laughs> let's stay in the reality and the truth. And yeah. like he's had to fight through so much bullshit that like I really trust his um, – like I, I trust his guidance in that because I, I don't think there's many people that are at that level that, that have experienced no, that and then schooled. come out on the other side of it. He schooled in that. By the way, I wrote a book called It's Messy because I, because life is messy. And I also want to remove it the shame messy. and stigma from the messiness of life. People get so mad at people in the public eye. And it's like, I don't understand. Nobody's going to be perfect. Well, it actually doesn't have anything to do with you or anyone else. It has in the public eye. It has to do with that person's own discomfort about some mm-hmm. aspect of themselves. And that's the yeah. thing that I always have come back to, which is, this has nothing to do with me. I just yeah. fit the the prototype for whatever it is they're trying to process. I'm just right. the projection, you know? And, right. and when you can kind of depersonalize it and know that it really has nothing to do with you. It could be that you've yeah. got the same color hair as their mom who did X, Y, right. and Z. Or like, it could be something like that. <laughs> what, what is I that mean? called again? That's called... Um... Transference transference. Yes. Yes. That's the word I was looking for. So it sounds like you are an advocate of therapy, um, that, that you are in therapy. Um, I too am a product of, of many years of therapy. I believe in it strongly. And whenever friends of mine are getting married, I always say, get into couples therapy now because it's like money in the bank because when Mm -hmm. stuff goes wonky, because it will, because that's life, do you do couples therapy and and what are your thoughts on that? Um yeah, when we like right before we got engaged and like when we first got back together, we actually immediately started going to see uh, the the woman who is still our therapist now. Um we also so do couples counseling with our pastor mm. and his wife cuz they are, you know, married for a long long time and those are the people to take advice from. Through a lot. Yeah, we feel super safe with them as well. So I, I feel like, you know, I feel like I can be really open and, you know, they've known him for a very long time and they've known me for a while. So um, I think it's extremely helpful to have um, third party non-biased opinion when, especially if you're trying to resolve something because I want to be right. He wants to be right. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's right because that's not the point. When we first got back together, like we were really working through some weird stuff. Like it was just 
we had not been together for a long time. We did not speak for almost a year. And then like we got back together and I was like, so are we going to talk about what just happened? Like, oh, like what? So we were just like working through a lot of stuff and then we got engaged very fast. And then we were processing a lot through being engaged. And then we got married also very quickly. The first whole year of being married, it was just a lot of processing, a lot of working stuff out old insecurities, old habits, um, individual things, hurts, other things that we were bringing into the relationship from just life in general. And I'm a huge believer in that. And I think obviously the way that we did things was probably is like not the most conventional, but we don't live a very conventional life and no, it's what and worked it, and for it's, us. Yeah, what's worked for you. Life rolls out how it rolls out. So you, right, like absolutely. what are the tools you put in place? How do you support yourself and your partner through the way that you're yeah. doing it? And it sounds like, yeah. you know, you're doing a really great job and smart and caring and loving to give yourselves the space to be able to process. I'm really impressed with that. I'm I'm trying. I don't believe in like perfectionism and I always like to like reiterate that I don't have it all together and I'm still a mess a lot of the time and like I'm just really open to learning. I'm the type of person I like to learn. I like to learn about everything I can learn about. I like to just soak up tools and information. So I'm just on that journey and I'm still figuring it out. What star sign are you? Sagittarius. Oh, interesting. Uh, what's your husband? Pisces. Oh, oof, very emotional. <laughs> okay, Pisces. Okay, so I want to ask you, growing up with your dad who had, um, you know, self-proclaimed addiction issues, do you think that having the experience with your dad helped you be prepared for supporting your husband in his own recovery journey? I think so, yeah. There's a lot of addiction that runs in my family, like not even just my dad. A lot of other people on that side of my family um, struggled with a lot of different things. And my dad was always really open about that. And I always appreciated that. I I was always really, really close to my dad. And I was a lot more open with him in a lot of ways than I was with my mom. I think him being really open about it and how it almost, you know, ruined his relationship with my mom and how they could have ended up not together. And I think when you're like a teenager and you're thinking like, wow, like there's this thing that was so powerful that like my beautiful parents almost like didn't end up together because of this. And he was just always like extremely open about like why being sober was what worked for him and like why he needed to be sober and what, um, you know, alcoholic behavior looks like and where that comes out. Because it's not just about the drugs and the alcohol. It's about the thinking and the behavior. Even when I was talking before about working on a lot of stuff when we first got married, like I think that was a part of it too. Like looking back on times of drug use and um, being in some dark spaces and having to kind of go back there and talk about it. It was extremely difficult. I was never somebody who struggled with like any substances, but that's because I was so aware of it because of my dad. He had a really big issue with cocaine and I was like, I'm never trying it because I'm just so scared that if I try it one time, it might lead into something else. My mom was like never she like barely drank wine. Like she would have like one glass of wine on like holidays or something. But she was always super like open too about 
like both my parents understood the curiosity, which I thought was important. Like obviously as teenagers, we're going to want to like try alcohol. We're going to want to smoke weed. We're going to like, we're going to try this stuff. It's going to happen. So they were kind of chill about like letting us start to try like wine or something like in their house with them. Hey, you can have like Mm -hmm. a little cup or like a little sip at dinner or like something. And, you know, that was always actually a really open conversation, which I appreciated. I mean, living with someone and loving someone who has, who is sober is, um, has its own set of challenges. Mm -hmm. Again, I was curious whether you growing up around, you know, recovery, alcoholism and sobriety had given you an insight into being able to support your, your husband on his journey. Yeah. I I mean, I think so. I think even just being able to like talk through it with my mom or I think even just the open dialogue of, Hey, where are you at with this? Being able to be honest, like if I ever felt like I got, I think like I would have had times and I've had times where I would get like nervous. Like, are you okay to do this? Because you did have a time in your life where it was not dark. okay. For it you. was was not okay for you, and it was like a dark time for you. But he has very, very good self awareness when it comes to that, and is is very open about it. And I think that is all I can really ask for. Yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So I want to talk to you a little bit about about advocacy because I did see that you had gone to. Um, you know, California State Prison. And I was really curious what you were doing there. And I was also curious whether that was something that you felt connected to um, and what that experience was like for you. So will you will you talk a little bit about, about what that was like for you? Yeah. So we decided to go do this prison visit. Uh, Justin wanted to go and he wanted to sing at the prison. And he brought our pastor, Judah Smith, and he wanted him to speak for like 15 minutes just to the inmates. And they had told us that there was a group of inmates that had started like a Bible study in the prison. And we got to just go and hear these amazing, incredible stories from where they started like coming into the to the prison, to how they found Jesus while they were in prison, to where they're at now. And a lot of the guys we were speaking to are um, on death row and and going to be in prison for life. Like really, really, really impactful stories. And I think it just brought a lot of perspective, like just, just hearing their experience. And um, we also got to meet a group of men who um, they, they like rehab dogs. Oh my God, the prison program, the dogs that are in the kill shelters. Yes. And they then get to work in the prison program. Weirdly, my husband showed me a video on this yesterday. (laughs) It It was so beautiful. Beautiful thing. Like, because obviously I'm I'm like a crazy animal lover. Like I love animals. Same. I'm not like an overly sensitive person, but when it comes to animals, like it will make me cry. Like that's the one thing that you're going to get me with the dog. You're going to get me with the animals. I just think it was such a beautiful and eye-opening experience. It's something that I feel really grateful for. And I I think back on it a lot and I'm just like, I, it really sparked something in me to want to get more involved. Just even being able to see Justin in that experience and like singing in the prison and just bringing all those guys so much joy in that moment. I just, I thought it was really impactful. 
Mm, I'm pleased that you had a powerful experience there. I did, yeah. You said that it opened the door for you to start thinking about a lot of other things. Do you feel like there is a pressure for you to align with some kind of advocacy work? And and is there anything that you are interested in? Because you may not have found something that you've connected with, and that would be okay too. I'm like on my journey of of understanding what I am really passionate about. And um, I'm starting a company this year, and I really want there to be something um, a, a form of give back because I just think anything that is going to be coming into me, I just, I want it to go back out and, you know, give back to people. I think something that over this last year specifically, and even more so the last like six to eight months that I've been feeling really passionate about is advocating for other women, because I think I've had a lot of really bad experiences with being, um, pinned against other women and comparison culture is something I've talked a lot about that was really, really, really hard for me and is still very hard for me to this day and like genuinely was traumatizing for me. So I think digging deep into that and saying like, I want to be able to continue like supporting other women in what I, – I hope for it to be many capacities, you know what I mean? Like, But just aligning with that direction is kind of where I feel like it's it's going for me. Women-led businesses. Mm. Um, yeah. Just women everything because yeah. I just have had such a bad experience in this industry with just not feeling like people are supportive of their peers, especially when – there's such a, you know, there's so much that goes, that is against us as women. So come on, like. Yeah. Well, I'm really pleased that we're meeting at this stage of your life because I also have dedicated the last 20 years of my career to supporting Mm -hmm. women. And I feel really strongly about it. And I agree that there is a real scarcity mindset with a lot of people, especially because women have been excluded from so much that when a woman has an opportunity, whether she, you know, likes to believe it or not, a lot of women feel like there isn't room for other women. And it's up to us to change that paradigm by bringing more women in the room with us. And I'm excited to see what you do. And I'm excited for, you know, just to kind of experience a little bit of your journey and it's really been a a real treat talking to you thank you thank you yeah you too I was just gonna say like uh thank you for everything you do and the way that you support women and even just having these conversations with other women I feel like is powerful in itself thank you Haley and I and I do have these conversations with people sometimes and I will say that I don't always feel this comfortable opening up and getting into a conversation because it doesn't necessarily always feel like a safe space because I feel like people want to make you think it is and then they are asking very inappropriate and probing and weird like gossipy questions that I'm like, what are we doing? Like, well, then what yeah. are we doing this for? And I just feel like I've really enjoyed this conversation. I felt thank very you. safe and it was a really beautiful conversation. So thank you. Thank you, Haley, and thank you for trusting and thank you for being open. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, you too. This is VS Voices, a brand new original podcast series by Victoria's Secret. Listen here or wherever you get your podcasts.